0: Hey, Nora. Hey, Sandy. It's so good to hear you. So good to hear you. How are you doing? How's this uh, last couple of weeks been?
1: I'm great. I have to say, I've heard from so many listeners who are like, when you coming back? (laughs) And, um... I appreciate hearing from you all. Um, As someone who's a creature of habit, I also appreciate that it can suck when your routine maybe includes something that then stops for a couple of weeks. So thank you so much for everyone's patience. While we took a little bit of time off and it felt so necessary and good, actually. So
0: thank you. And I'm great. How are you, Sandy? I'm doing great as well. I um am... uh, unexpectedly uh, taking a little bit of a longer stay in Toronto than I expected. I'm in Toronto right now, so hello, Torontonians. Um, and I have been good. I've been doing well. I've been working on this uh, documentary out here on black history, and it, that has been going really well as well. But I don't know, Nora, these last couple weeks... I have been thinking a lot, especially after the Ontario election results, about how a lot of people in my world, and I expect that a lot of people are experiencing this. But a lot of people in my world are experiencing like a difficult, like psychological time right now. Like it's a, it is a difficult time. For mental health. Uh, A lot of people are experiencing some sort of, I don't know, mental dissonance. And that makes a lot of sense. I've Mm -hmm. been thinking about how much the world has changed in the last two years, also because I'm reading your book, um, which is great, by the way. Uh, I've been thinking about how much the world has changed in the last two years and also how nothing has changed at all. Mm. And that has to be a really dissonant experience that your own life, uh, you may have changed everything about it. You may have had to get up and move. You may have switched jobs. You may have left a job. Maybe you're not working anymore. Maybe you had COVID and uh, your life has changed as a result of uh, long COVID symptoms. Or maybe you lost people during this period. And the whole world shifted for individual people. And yet the system remains exactly the same. We know that a global catastrophe will not shift the way that the world was built to not work for most people. And I don't know, man, it's, uh, it's fucking with a lot of people and it's, it's certainly um, making things really, really hard.
1: It sounds a little bit like the reverse way that I experienced depression, which was I had a workplace depression many years ago, and it felt like I wasn't moving, but the world was moving, and that created such a huge mental distress on me that it would be like I would see people um, after a couple of months, and I'd feel like nothing had changed in my world because I was trapped in this depressive kind of state, and people were moving on with their lives, and it was really difficult. And, And so, yeah, so that distance between where you are and where the outside world is can cause a lot of tension and stress. And I think that you've really nailed it. And this idea that things just need to get worse before people start responding or reacting or something, you know, (laughs) I've been reading a lot of Jean-Paul Sartre and I don't know how much you're into Sartre and I am not a philosophy person Mm -hmm. at all, but I'm like really into him. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> and he has this, um, play that features, uh, a bunch of French communists who, uh, g- get captured by the Nazis and, um, a- and two of them believe that they just, like, they're eager for the Nazis to start beating the prisoners because that's going to be the moment that radicalizes the other prisoners to fight against their, their, uh, their prison guards, the Nazis.
0: Mm, mm-hmm.
1: And it's, it's fun. It's like, wow, even in, uh, an example of like, uh, World War II in a prison camp, the, there would have been this idea that, oh, we like looking forward for the, to the beatings happening so that people will get radicalized <laughs> in this prison camp. Oh my God. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. And, and I, you know, I, I have this benefit of having written a book about COVID, as you mentioned, and I've had to say this to a lot of people because I'm, I'm personally like very comfortable where things are right now, just because I wrote a book about it and I lived in a way that I was analyzing what was going on, knowing full well that things were not going to change. And so there's no moment for me where I'm like, oh my God, nothing's changed. Cause I I, I know that, I know that I've, I've, I've got ways, like I've analyzed this and I've lived with it and I've consumed it and it consumed me. And I know how hard it is to to look at that world and say, "How in the hell could people be so complacent, be so um, I don't know, lazy, be so disconnected to not feel the urgency to do something as simple as and as we'll talk about on this episode as going out to vote?" Mm-hmm. And I I totally know how someone could be that mm-hmm. disconnected from the system, but. I guess maybe that's what we have to unpack for uh, listeners uh, this week it, to try and, 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 I don't know, bring some comfort or calm or, or explanations at least uh, so that people don't feel as completely disoriented as this disorienting time is making them feel.
0: Well said. Um. OK, yeah, I just I wanted to, to start with that because I know that I, I assume that some of our listeners are going through this uh, sort of dissonance as well. So um, that's just uh, my kind of opening. Hey, welcome back <laughs> <laughs> thoughts for the show. Um, we'll try to unpack that um, in this episode. Uh, but first, I am sure we have some people to thank.
1: We have so many people to thank, yes. And so uh, especially, you know, it's always a bit difficult for us. We go off and people are still donating to the show, but we're off. And it's like, of course, we get time off, but it feel weird. But anyway, so it's always nice to see the people donating, even when we've announced that we're taking a couple of weeks off. Um, And so specifically in the last uh, couple of weeks, uh, thank you so, so much to the people that donated for the first time or changed their donations, specifically Alan, Kelly, Ned, Brian, JME, Sarah, Emily, Persephone, Abra, Ali, and Kirk. Thank you all so, so much. We appreciate it a lot.
0: Yes, thank you. Okay, so everything changes uh, and everything stays exactly the same. Um, happened during COVID, happened during the federal election, happened during the Ontario election.
1: <laughs>
0: if you haven't been paying attention or if you're somewhere else in the in the country uh, where... Ontario isn't um, Ontario politics uh, don't um, centre into your world Uh, the Ontario government uh, the the Ontario people have re-elected a progressive conservative government led by Doug Ford uh, despite the fact that he presided over uh, the deaths of thousands of people uh, during COVID and Uh, was responsible for widening the gap between the wealthy and the poor in this province. Uh, The NDP remains the official opposition, but lost seats. And the Liberal Party remains not an official party in Ontario. (laughs) They continue to suck. (laughs) And the Green Party has one elected representative in their leader, um what else to say about those uh, official results uh, with just the numbers I believe it was uh a lot of the the NDP loss was the conservative gain um and that is an interesting thing that we should talk about uh but no one I think should have seen anything different coming given what has happened Uh, And what hasn't happened in the last four years, and uh, given what has happened in the last two years, uh, and given what hasn't happened in the last two years, you could see coming up to this election that the opposition parties uh, were not prepared. Uh, And in addition, uh, the Ford led uh, progressive conservatives ran a similarly um, strategic campaign that they have in the past, which was a campaign that didn't talk about their platform. So mm-hmm. here we are, a uh, brand new world, same, <laughs> same old system. Same old shit, I think is what you
1: also mean. Same old shit. Absolutely. Yes. So here's some numbers uh, just so people can really get their heads on this. Um, The voter turnout was about 43 percent. So shockingly low, shockingly, shockingly low, Um, which, of course, in and of itself is something to talk about. There was because voter turnout was so low, everybody lost votes from the last election. The Conservatives lost about 400,000 votes from in 2018, but they
0: got a bigger caucus. Thank you, uh, shitty electoral system that gives people fake majorities. And we should just note that that is the lowest voter turnout in Ontario history. Yes, yes, it sure is. It is very interesting that the lowest voter turnout in in Ontario history is the first or after the pandemic started vote. Yes. Yeah, that's it's super it's super fascinating for sure, because it definitely indicates like there's a
1: connection there. And I think also, you know, people were so mad with Doug Ford in 2021. Uh, that anger dissipated, but it didn't disappear. Right. Like, I think it then people are just kind of like able to check out even more being like, wow, fuck all of this. Like, this is not my shit. I don't want anything to do with it. Um, the liberals lost about 24,000 votes, which is the few, the smallest loss of votes, of course. And then they ended up with only eight seats. The NDP lost, well, I mean, they lost nine seats if you compare that to the 40 that they got in 2018. Um, But it was 800,000 votes that they lost. So they were the big losers on the vote count. On the sides that is positive, uh, the the guy that got the biggest vote margin, so the biggest number of votes between him and uh, the next candidate, was Mike Schreiner. And so the leader of the Green Party got, in the whole province, the biggest margin of about 18,000 votes. And the person that that got the highest number of votes total, which is an interesting count. Of course, total votes was a bit difficult because not every riding has the same number of votes, but it's still a very impressive um, kind of title to win, uh, is the NDP's Joel Harden in Ottawa Centre. Mm-hmm. and he And he had total votes. he was mm-hmm. the only um, person in the province that, that cracked thirty thousand votes and then, Of course, there was this very surprised uh, independent candidate, independent conservative candidate who won in Halderman, Norfolk county. I mean those are the numbers um, I think their numbers are really interesting i 've written an article about the numbers, and so you can look for that at the maple if you 're really curious but Wow. Um, no one wanted to vote. <laughs> no one, no one really wanted to vote. And, and uh, you know, whenever you have like massive turnout in the advanced, advanced polls, it's always like for me, a kind of a bad sign because the only people that vote in the advanced polls are like the most eager. <laughs> so it's like, oh, they've already voted. Oh, no, we're going to be seeing a bad, bad turnout on, on, on election day. Um, and I think, you know, so there's a whole bunch of things to talk about where people are at. Why is this voter turnout so low? What was the impact of the pandemic on people's interactions and understandings and uh, perceptions of government, of people in power, of institutions, all that kind of thing? There were two far right parties that ran complete slates that, that that got hundreds of thousands of votes. Compare that to the communists who only ran 12 that got 2,000 votes in the province. I mean, there's a real disbalance happening here of political forces where the far right is, is as much as Doug Ford has kicked them out of his caucus, like they're going to continue to play a role in shaping Ontario's political, um, mentality, I guess, or, 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 uh, ecosystem. Um, and then what does this mean, uh, for other provinces that are heading into elections in the next, uh, year?
0: Yeah, I think as m- much as people didn't want to vote, I think it kind of feels like the parties didn't want to run. Like <laughs> no one was, mm-hmm. no one was interested in running except for the conservative party, uh, the progressive conservatives. And uh I think that is uh proven also by the the late night resignations of uh Stephen Duca, the leader of the liberal party uh and and Andrea Horvath, who both stepped down as leaders of their party the same night, which I mean. Don't get me wrong. I support both of those things. It makes no sense that either of them were the leader for this particular election. And I think that that uh, makes, I I think the proof is in the pudding. They absolutely should step down. Um, But the, uh, what terrible, terrible campaigns. I think, (laughs) I think, I mean, one one thing that was like, um, I mean, one thing, the most stunning thing about this election is uh, very similarly to the liberal, uh, or sorry, to the federal election in which the liberals were victorious. It they, The election was run as though it was like normal times, as though mm-hmm. this political class had forgotten the dire situation that most Ontarians find themselves in uh coming out of, um, a couple of years of inconsistent work of a flattening economy of inflation increasing, of increasingly finding it difficult to, um, live where one is. A lot of people have moved, uh, all over the province. A lot of people have moved outside of the province. Um, and uh, the, the way that the parties responded to this these crises that people are experiencing um, in essentially all sectors from, you know, education to health to uh, the private sector to the public sector, depending on where one works, uh, was to be like... <laughs> it just really felt like it was just a regular time election. Like there was no big, mm-hmm. bold ideas. There were no big sort of responses to um, the, the tragedy that people have faced uh, and the austerity that people are facing from the Ford government uh, as a result of how the Ford government has decided to uh, deal with this, the economic reality that we are in. And for people who witnessed government um, turn over themselves to make some really big shifts in the first few months of the pandemic that ended up benefiting industry and business and um, uh, big corporations more than anyone else for people who've been listening to the news and hearing about record profits at banks and at certain um, uh, major uh, corporations uh, and institutions that have done really, really well during the pandemic, despite everything. And then have to you know, go to the grocery store and realize they can't afford the same sort of food that they were um, able to afford two years ago because... Everything has shifted I mean, I see why people have completely dropped out of participating in this type of this type of system. It doesn't make any sense. Why would you sit and listen to someone who's speaking to you like it's 2015 uh, when there has just been this massive catastrophe that nobody uh, wants to? to engage with like it's a catastrophe and like it is still occurring and impacting all of our lives. It doesn't make any sense. And I'm, you know, I continue to be very, very frustrated uh, with all of the political parties, but in particular the, the NDP in refusing to be that sort of um, uh, radical, bold, Socialist vision for how we could shift, how we could shift uh, uh, politics right now. I mean, I did I read your article, and I think it, it some of the things that you said, uh, well, everything made sense. But uh, one of the things that I really latched onto there was like I don't understand how in a in a situation like we found ourselves in in these last couple of years, why there wasn't a political party that was um, saying boldly and loudly there should be no cost to education. Why right. there wasn't yeah. a political party that was saying, like, man, if you need to take public transportation right now, if you have to, um, you know, endanger yourself uh, every single time you take public transportation, potentially, well, then we're going to make public transportation free. And Yes, the liberals did promise uh, a $1 uh, public transportation <laughs> that was awesome. situation that... Um, Anyway, that's another thing to discuss at another time. But uh, like <laughs> you know, these sorts of big bold visions, like why not? Why not? Now is the time. Uh, when, if not now, if if the great promise yeah. of the NDP is to just hold on, everyone, we just wait till we get power, and that and then we'll really you know get into to the socialist vision. Well, why not? <laughs> so sorry, like isn't now the time? Isn't this the most? The best time to start talking about those things, and if not, why should we trust that you're ever going to talk about it?
1: Yeah, well, they never will, obviously. You said so many things that I want I know, to go I'm back sorry. to. No, no, no. It was, I mean, it's great. I hope everyone's loving this because I'm, I'm loving it uh, for sure. Um, so you started by talking. Uh, you started off by talking about how it seemed like none of the parties wanted to run. Did you watch the uh, televised debate? <laughs> No. Okay. I had to watch it because I wrote an article about it. Um, and, and it was pretty amazing. So you had Doug Ford, who was really comfortable, really, really comfortable, folksy, saying um, practice points that didn't seem exactly practice. Like they kind of seemed like they were a little bit off the cuff. And then if you watch the 20, um, 2018 debate, you can see just how far he's come as a politician. Like it was just night and day. He was comfortable. He was owning the stage and and was just like, yeah, we're here to talk politics. Do you know how Andrea Horvath used the first 20 seconds of her opening uh, remarks of two minutes? Um, to say
0: that Doug Ford is a bad person.
1: No, no, she didn't do that. No, no, she, she made some sort of weird comment about how, uh, thanks for tuning in. I, I know that this is not the most exciting way to spend a Monday night, but here we are. What? <laughs> and actually, I think that was more concise than what she said. Oh, my God.
0: So oh you're God. right. I don't
1: think that they I don't think that they really wanted to be there. Uh, the, the The resignation speeches were both very interesting in that um, the most excited that the crowd got uh, with Del Duca's speech was when he announced that the party would be debt free by December. And the most excited that Del Duca got was when he told his kids he was bringing them to Wonderland on Sunday. Oh, Um, Mm. that guy could have been tap dancing at that fucking podium because he was very happy to not to not have to be the leader of the of the Liberal Party anymore. Um, Whereas uh, Horvath, um, she she'd been crying all night, clearly. I mean, her eyes were very puffy and red. And that says to me that she must have been out to lunch because um, I don't know how she expected anything other than that as a result, which also indicates to me that the party really has no fucking idea what's going on.
0: Yeah, no shit. <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs> like, I, you know, I, 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 I have been there, folks. Like, I have definitely cried my brains out after I lost an election. I was 19 years old on the bathroom floor at the Ram and the Rye at my former university. But when you're an adult <laughs> and you, like... You can see the polls and you can see what seats you're you're like in a in a hand to hand combat with like, you know, you're going to lose a couple of them. And um and, you know, they lost they lost uh, Gilles Bisson, who's been elected since he was under Bob fucking Ray and he was first elected in 1990. So like these were disastrous elections and and this this inability to 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 actually reflect the crisis that we're in through policy was what sank them clearly. You know, like. Horvath promising that the NDP is going to reduce gas prices is is a joke. No one believes that. Everyone would be like, yes, we want you to reduce gas prices, but no one thinks that the NDP is going to be able to do it. If Doug Ford has failed in doing it every time he's promised it, no way is the NDP doing it. And so these tiny pocketbook issues, these are an out out expression of all of the same things that we've seen for so long from this party, like, you know, 5% off home hydro, HST off of fucking whatever the fuck, like all of these ridiculous pocketbook things that are so minor Um, And it comes to a head where we're like, oh, people are being evicted. What's your solution? Oh, well, we should have some rent control. Yeah, but you can't control the rent where it is now. It's too high. So like, what are you going to do? Are you going to legislate it to be lower? Like, that would be interesting. Let's hear what would happen with that if you did that. Um, So lackluster, difficult, uh, frustrating, and no one came out to vote. And so that kind of leaves us with like, well, okay, so where are we then? What does that mean for the future of the province? What does that mean for other elections outside of Ontario?
0: Even the stuff on like uh, race and discrimination, I don't know if you saw this as part of um, part of their platform, but it was like they were going to make it easier for people to take their employers to court if they experience discrimination, which is like, okay, that is a way to do things is to make people wade through a system that they, you know, that is convoluted and difficult to to navigate. Or you could take the employers to court like cuz you would control this whole thing like you could do like why are you passing that responsibility off like if 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 there's a way that employers are being uh, uh discriminatory you as the province could I just I don't know there was just so much in in all of it that was just uh really really Lackluster and and ridiculous, and then you you take a look at some of the wins on the conservative side, which is like everything. And you know, I'm just like, how does a guy like Stephen Lecce um, get reelected? How <laughs> like this is a person who has had scandal throughout his term. Like there should have been throughout these last four years, people from the opposition parties. At the ready, ready to be like this is what should be happening instead. This is this guy is a piece of shit, and here's um, the ways that we would be doing things differently. The campaign should have started a long time ago, but uh, it didn't. And even the latest scandal of Lecce just being like uh, anti black and and racist, as uh, during his uh, as discovered by his participation in its slave auctions during his uh, time at whether, what was it, Western or Queens University? I think it was Western. <laughs> Western. Uh, it's, oh, it's one of the two. Um, of course. <laughs> uh, has no eff- impact, has no effect, because uh, these parties are just uh, so out to lunch on how to engage with these these issues. And so here we are <laughs> in this place that really hasn't shifted and hasn't changed and I just I'm like what what does one do with this I saw that as someone tweeted us recently being like Sandy Nora weren't you got you weren't y'all the ones who were saying the the thing to do is to to take over the green party and um, make the green party the party of the left I don't know that we've actually said specifically that but the, the answer to the what to do is, like, yes <laughs> to everything. <laughs> like everything. Any, any thought that you have that is, like, let's shift this, that isn't um, let's do the exact same thing <laughs> is almost certainly going to get a, yeah, try that shit from us <laughs> because at this point it's, like, come on. I saw uh, one of the uh, former MPPs, uh, from the uh, the NDP, wrote a statement on Facebook that seems to be gone now um, that uh, discussed that some of the issues within the NDP have to do with uh, racism in the NDP and muzzling the party and that this is what the issue is and that's why uh, things didn't occur in the way that they needed to occur. And I'm sure that that is the case. I'm also sure that for those uh, MPPs who are elected who uh, were new, newer um, in in the last provincial election that people had a lot of hope behind because it seemed like politics would be done differently from some of these folks. Even if the party is like saying that if you do something, like if you say something about a particular issue, um, I don't know, you won't be able to. You know that there will be political. There will be consequences, whether you're like removed from the shadow cabinet or 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 something. I mean, for many of you uh, who are listening, who are MPPs or have been MPPs, I I just want to challenge that. Like, it is your responsibility to try to make those big moves within the party if you're there and noticing that these things are happening, noticing that there's a way that the party is trying to um, be more like the liberal party, more like a centrist party that is muzzling um, good responses on some of the most fucked up things that are happening in our world. Call their bluff. Call their bluff. There are, Thousands of people who are wanting to support people who are going to cut through the bullshit of politics, cut through the game. I mean, that's what it feels like Ford is doing to so many people, cutting through the bullshit of politics and saying something real. So just do it. Call their bluff, because here's the thing. If you lose the party support or the the support of the party brass, but you still have support on the ground, you're ultimately more powerful and more useful than the party itself if you do that. And so for some of you who are who have been reelected um, and, and still have that sort of orientation, that's something that you're going to really need to think about um, in this next period, because we're going to have four years as a result of this, four years of major austerity. And this is going to really deeply, deeply hurt people. It's going to deeply hurt people. And if you continue to, you know, not, I mean, I don't even understand how this is risky. I know, I <laughs> you know. know. It it seems weird to say, um, if you continue to not take risks by not saying what's real, like, because it's not a risk. The risk is not saying what's real. If you continue to not say what's real, if you continue to not respond in a real way, in a, in a way that, Um, makes sense to people. Like, what is the point of you? What is the point? There should be something else. If it is not you, if you're just going to be a replacement for the dead liberal party.
1: Well, the worst thing is that we're about to enter into this leadership race. And so there's going to be a lot of people that say, well, you know, the NDP can be reformed with its leadership. And it's like, I mean, okay, good luck. Uh, I certainly hope it doesn't suck too much energy out of the room because we don't have a ton of energy to uh, have sucked out and people need to be doing something different because the NDP has demonstrated its incapacity to do fucking anything like fuck all. So, you know, we're going to have this situation. There's going to be a left candidate. There's going to be a centrist establishment candidate. We know how this is going to happen. There's going to be a call for left wing people to flood themselves into the party And it's like, that's not going to be where change happens, because as you said, Sandy, no one has actually stood up and challenged their party in any significant way in the last four years. I mean, I know like really left wing MPPs who defended their housing policy when challenged. It's like it was not a defensible policy. Like, what the fuck are you doing? You're not going to get you're not going to lose by saying, yeah, you know what, this is not a very strong policy and I'm going to I disagree with it or whatever. So what's the calculation there? It's like, you know, party line above all else, party line above like actually doing the right thing. So, you know, I think that there's a lot of discussion. I know people are always like, do we need a new party? And I mean, normally I'm like, I mean, an actual to do that properly takes so much things working together and social movements needing to be strong and whatever. But like as a protest, I mean, yeah, fucking giver. As Sandy said, like anything people are trying right now, I feel like is to- <laughs> it's totally time to just try different shit and see what works. Because if anything that the right is showing us, it's that that's exactly what they're doing is they're doing it all. And they're doing it from many different directions. They're doing def- different tactics that are helping bring in different kinds of people to do different kinds of things. And we cannot uh, say, oh, no, that's that's just not like that's not good enough. Or that's not right. Or that's not the right time. Like, fuck, just just Duh, the time is now to just to just do these things. Um, because, you know, when, when you've got a government that only had 17 when, percent, when you have a government that only had 17 percent of support from the population, you know, you can move people and you can do a lot with that, actually. And you can make Doug Ford's life really uncomfortable. But that, that that fucking guy has not had to face any challenges when when like a journalist Sean O'Shea tried to cover Ford when he was closing down his communications uh, during the election. He gets like shuffled off of Ford's fucking campaign because these people are cowards. They are cowards and they will not know what to do if people start showing up all the time and just yelling that they're cowards at them. Like that's what it's going to take. And so people should really, like, frankly, ignore the NDP. They don't have, as, as, as Sandy's do say, if not now, they're not ever going to fucking do it unless literally every single person that works there right now is fired, which is not going to happen. Uh, and then replace with people who are better. I mean, the, the, the possibilities that they're all fired and replaced replace with people who are worse is, like, very high. <laughs> um, and that we need to, like, just look at the organizing that needs to be done and to really focus on bothering the fuck out of Doug Ford. And that's going to be how victories happen. Now for me, what I'm really interested in watching is what are the what are the echo effects of this on elections in Quebec and elections in Alberta because we're going to see very different kinds of elections happening in both provinces. In Quebec, um the The tendency will definitely be to hold on to the CAC. We also have a collapsed Liberal Party that will be fighting to just hold on to Liberal um, status, and they're bleeding members all the time. I mean, there's a, there's a bit of a generational shift as well. A lot of of, of members on all sides of, of all like of ages above you know sixty or, are looking to retire. Um, and the PQ, I mean, I don't any it's, it's anyone's guess if they're even going to survive at all the next election because there's there's former pick that are now moving towards the CAC. Um, the interesting difference there's two well there's many big differences between Ontario and Quebec one is that the voter turnout in Quebec still is quite high compared to Ontario I suspect that that will continue to be the case and so that will probably have an impact on on who's elected except we have the same electoral system so maybe not and then the other thing that's interesting is that there is a party that's calling for for radical changes in the context of what's considered radical I mean you know free public transit free education free daycare free uh, other, other, whatever, like a whole bunch of stuff, and um, it'll be very interesting to see if people respond to it, and to see if Quebec Solidaire can actually mobilize people around it. I mean, they keep taking shortcuts and making mistakes, and so there's possibility that it won't be won't be effective. But at the very least, people have a vision that they can rally around that is that respects the fact that we just went through this moment. Now, in Alberta. You have a very different situation where you have a a de facto liberal party uh, very well could become the government. You know, Rachel Notley could very well defeat uh, Jason Kenney. Um, Jason Kenney I think that fucking guy defeated himself whoever it's going to be Allison Smith for sure
0: not (laughs) not Jason Jason (laughs) Kenney Brian Jean or
1: fucking um, cowboy hat guy like whatever it'll be really interesting to see and and on that that will be a race towards the center trying to close uh, political extremes which will of course shut out the left just as it's going to shut out the right except that the right has organized fucking power so very very interesting times Um, I'm excited to watch how this goes Um, but knowing that that in all of these things, the left in whatever groupment it takes, whether that's the formal political party of Quebec's Solidaire, or whether that is um, anti-poverty activism or student activism or labor activism, those are the only things that will really matter uh, in the next two years, the next year, the next four years in the case of Ontario.
0: One thing that is uh, increasingly obvious is just how uh, disorganized the left is. For those of us uh, who um, do organizing on the ground, we know this. Um, For those of us who are maybe a little bit more detached, that might seem surprising. It might seem as though uh, we're more organized than we are. But one of the things that I think um, spells out how we're not organized is that we do not engage in... Every possible space where we can engage and have political influence. and uh, one of the proofs of that is um, a, a comparison that we can make with uh, people who are uh, politically right wing. Um, the right wing in this country can organize new parties very seemingly easily. <laughs> and by that I mean like the the latest sort of uh, right wing, uh, expressions uh, that are like uh, the most white supremacist, the most heinous. They they can get candidates like in in every riding, both federally and uh, in Ontario. We saw uh, a new party. What is it called? The New Blue or something? The new, new Blue and uh, the Ontario Party and the Ontario. There was also a Stop Teaching Sex Ed par- Party, which was. <laughs> <laughs> of all the singular issues to focus on in this day and age, I mean, m- my thought would have been the coming <laughs> climate ap- apocalypse, but so sure. excited, everyone. Um, but yeah, these, these uh, really uh, right-wing um, political expressions, they can get uh, people to run in every riding um, in, in fairly short order uh, very quickly. I don't think <laughs> that we on the left have that nope. ability to like create to create a new uh political party if if that's the strategy and get representation across every riding uh I don't think we have that ability in Ontario I certainly don't think we have that ability federally we are woefully disorganized there is No real sort of national um, attempts at national organizing in ways that that used to exist. And uh, it is a palpable cavern (laughs) that uh, is impacting our ability to have influence uh, politically in like big P politics um across this country it's a it's a pretty major i think it's a pretty major issue i'm one of the folks that believes that you kind of need to have uh political influence anywhere and everywhere which means you know radical organizing on the ground and it also means people that you can tap who are um involved in big p politics and we just we don't have that we don't and i think that the impacts of that are we can partially see them in what has happened in the last uh, two and a half to four years.
1: Absolutely. And and there's so many structures that should make it possible to have like easy candidates. If you look, you know, I tried to do an article on the new blue and the Ontario parties, um, Ontario party was like, go fuck yourself, Nora. And then new blue was like, Oh, maybe. And then they must've looked me up and they were like, go fuck yourself, Nora. So it's like, Okay, whatever. Um, But if you look at the 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 bios of all their candidates, like they're all different kinds of leaders, a lot of religious leaders, a lot, a lot of religious leaders in the Ontario Party. Um, But you know, they hold different kinds of positions of some sort in their communities. And it's like, fuck, like, the, the monopoly that, that labor, um, that the NDP holds over so many parts of labor, and then as a result of that, creates like the only other space being like strategic voting, you know, as in instead of like, we support the NDP at all costs. It's like, oh, we support anything that's not the conservatives. It's just narrowed the playing field in such a tremendous way that it's going to create these moments of complete disconnection from reality, which is why I think people are feeling so so bad right now. like. There's no institutions that people on the left can rely on. They are, uh, they are, are collapsing or they're inefficient or they're inaccessible or, or whatever. And the people in those institutions know that there's a problem and are either resistant to changing or don't know how to change or don't have the capacity to change or don't have the tools to change. And it's like something just needs to unblock this. And that usually gets us to the point where people say, well, things just have to get really bad. That will unblock this. It's like, no. <laughs> Happens didn't get unblocked like we're not you know the the next pandemic is not necessarily around the corner we're still in this pandemic but if the last two years didn't do it it's not nothing other than our work and our decision to do these things is going to unblock this fucking impasse And so that's where people need to be inspired and need to feel like there is a possibility. Now, who is the fucking one to cast the first stone? Who is the one to actually create this stuff? Like, I don't know. I mean, it can't be two fucking podcasters. It doesn't make any sense. Um, And so I guess that's the challenge, right? It's like... What do we who 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 of you who's gonna do this? Who the fuck is gonna do this? Uh, and it doesn't have to be anybody with a name that anyone knows, like, Lord knows no one's ever heard of the fucking husband and wife behind the new blue party.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, the, part of the, the the reason why it's so frustrating that we don't have the ability to organize like nationally or um, in the, in the way that I was just describing or provincially is because on the left, we actually have so many institutions that should make it easier to do that. Like we have institutions that are organized provincially and nationally, unions, the student unions. And we know that these institutions are extremely weak right now. Uh, because, well, um, if they weren't weak, we would have heard something about uh, tuition fees and debt uh, during uh, the last two and a half years that people were forced to go to school and receive subpar Zoom education. Um, And we would have had far more outrage uh, about what was happening in workplaces uh, throughout throughout, uh, the pandemic. But these... Institutions, uh, in addition to religious institutions that also tend to be organized in in a national or provincial or at least local way with branches um, that support one another, these sorts of things should make it easier for us to organize across space and across geography. Uh, But for whatever reason, these institutions also remain stagnant. And I think that it is... I get like it is all part and parcel of whatever is happening with the NDP. This sort of, I don't know, I don't know what it is—complacency, um, disconnection from uh, what people are experiencing on the ground. Um, I'm I'm not exactly sure what it is that that uh, makes it hard that 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 keeps this blockage there that makes it difficult for people to do the hard thing and step out of line and suggest something newer, bolder, uh, more concrete. But yeah, I think I think you're right that it probably can't be to podcasters, uh, but we can certainly <laughs> continue, can certainly continue to try um, to suggest to people um, that there is another way to do politics and we can do something differently. I know that um, so many of you who have contacted us, you know, uh, feel inspired by some of the things that we're saying. Uh, from week to week, but um, how can we help you um, take that inspiration and move it into some sort of organized action? How can we do this? Um, I know I'll be thinking about that in the weeks to come. We're also thinking about doing some live shows, so maybe we can talk about that.
1: Ah! <laughs> yeah. Yay! If people want us to come I mean, you just have to ask
0: and we can figure it out. 100%. So yeah, let's, let's do some, let's meet, let's meet uh, IRL and, and talk about some of these things and go through uh, some suggestions. You know, we're, we created some materials this year to try to help people organize. Hopefully those things are helpful to you. If you need more stuff, like, let us know, like what would be helpful because, one thing I do know is that while uh, Nora and I have decided that this is the way that we're engaging uh, in politics in, in this particular way, I mean, we're also both involved locally uh, in, in some other initiatives. And we know, we know some, some tools. We know some tricks. We have some tips. And we can perhaps help if you're struggling with trying to figure out what to do. And, and by you, I'm talking about all of you, like whether you're just someone who listens and uh, it's you know, not necessarily involved in any sort of politics, or if you're a former MPP and it's like, I, I, <laughs> I really didn't know what to do. Or if you're a current MP and you're struggling with stuff uh, to do. You know, we have been contacted by all sorts of people Uh, Throughout the time that we've been doing this podcast. And we're always happy to help. Even if we've criticized you. Still happy to help. (laughs) So, like, (laughs) let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what you're struggling with. And we'll see what we can do. Because this whole thing where we're just, like, coasting through an unchanging universe that is, like, shitting on our faces. It's just, like, not. It's not the move. I'm not feeling it. I'm over it. You're over having shit on your face. No kidding. Yeah, 100%. <laughs>